to do because he's almighty, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present. He is going to do what he wants to do with or without us. So I just say, Lord, I just want to be there when you do it. I want to be a part of it as you do it because since it's going to be done and I have no say-so in it, guess what? Let me just be on board while you're doing it. We don't have any say-so in God's will being done. It's going to be done. God, let me be a part of it. Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Mark chapter 11. Again, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be with you. It's good to worship and praise the Lord with you. Good to fellowship with you. And we thank God for all of you. Mark chapter 11, verse number 12 says, And on the morrow... When they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, talking about Jesus. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. Now, this is amazing. This, is, this jumped out to me, and I'm going to let you see it as well if you didn't see it. He went to the fig tree, leaves on it, but no figs. And when he realized there's no figs, he said, wow. This is what he did when he realized there was no figs. Verse 14, and Jesus answered who was talking to Jesus? Who was talking to him? Was there anybody talking to him? We just know he went to the fig tree. He saw leaves. And he's saying, where's the figs? And all of a sudden it says, Jesus answered. What, who was he answering to? Who was talking to him? Jesus answered the tree. He says, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The tree didn't even talk to him. Well, maybe the tree did talk to him. See, we got to realize what's going on here. Maybe the tree did talk to Jesus. We just don't understand that. Hmm. And the disciples heard it. So he was not talking to his disciples. They were standing there when he started to curse the tree. He answered the tree. Made me just say Jesus. Mark eleven will jump down to verse twenty. The verse in verse the the, the 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 scripture in verse twenty says, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Stop trying to deal with your problem from the top of it, from the surface. Stop trying to fix problems from the top. You're just wasting your time because you cut it down and just spring back up. But if you deal with your problem from the roots, Jesus is trying to teach us something. He's showing us a whole lot of things, how his mind works, how he thinks. And Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them. Now he's talking to his disciples. Have faith in God. Tell your neighbor, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, 
Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he had said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he said. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. whole lot. Jesus has shared some thoughts from his mind with us. And if we can grab a hold of this thing before we leave today, we will never, ever be the same again. We will never, ever be like we've ever been, Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, my God, will you manifest your presence in a supernatural and divine way that, Lord, no person can leave here today and not say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this house. Oh, God, if we do not receive, it will not be because you didn't give. It will be because we rejected. But, God, will you move among us today? There's many needs, oh, God. You know every heart. And today I ask, oh, God, that you'll meet us. Oh! meet us in this place meet us oh God that we will never be the same speak to us Lord God and I pray that we will be courageous enough to respond with obedience and in faith no matter what Lord no matter who is next to us no matter who is behind us or in front of us that we will experience you and respond in faith and obedience for thy will to be done in us. Ah. Oh my God. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands unto the Lord. In Jesus name you may be seated. I've entitled this message today If you desire it you can have it. If you desire it you can have it. The key word, the two key phrases, there are two key words there I would say is desire and can. Desire and can. If you desire it, you can have it. Why was this occurrence of the fig tree recorded in the Bible? You ever read scripture and ask yourself, why is that scripture recorded? Why did the Lord allow this to be in the Bible, but other things he didn't allow to be in the Bible? Why is that? And I'm here to tell you because it will be profitable unto our life. It will be beneficial to our life. And so the Lord determined that he wanted this story of the fig tree to be recorded in scriptures. A fig tree having leaves from afar off attracted his keen sight and he approached the tree expecting to find fruit on it. The fig tree is different from most trees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fig tree usually produce figs then afterwards the leaves will spring up. The fig tree is Different from most trees. Figs are bared before the leaves spring up. 
So when you see a fig tree with leaves, it means that figs should already be there. It's not like the other trees, the other fruit trees we know about that, you know, we've got to bloom and blossom and look healthy and good. Then finally, here come the fruit. The fig tree is the other way. The fig tree is here come the fig and the figs start to grow. And then as the fig grew, then the leaves come afterwards. So now you understand when Jesus approached it, he approached it expecting to see figs because there's no way the leaves should be there without figs being there. Unfortunately, his hopes is mocked. Jesus got mocked by the fig tree. He found nothing but leaves. No figs. Just leaves. Somebody say, just leaves. Can I tell you this? Jesus will always be disappointed in fruitlessness. Jesus will be always disappointed in fruitlessness. Jesus will always be disappointed in fruitlessness. You know why? Because the fruit that he's looking for really comes from him. You got to understand, the fruit that you and I can bear, it's not our fruit. We're not the ones responsible for those fruit. Remember, growth comes by Jesus. You can't grow yourself. A child can't grow itself. A fruit can't grow itself. And so every kind of growth that we will experience in Christ, it has to come by Christ. So fruit that comes from our life is due to him. It's not due to you. So if we don't have fruit, if we don't produce fruit, it's because we don't want it. It's because we rejected it. Because he is the one that's responsible for producing the fruit. He is the one that makes the fruit possible. Not you and I. We're just the vessel. We read not too long ago that we are the branch and he is the vine. The vine produced the fruit. The branches hold the fruit up. And so if we are going to be who we're supposed to be, we're not responsible for the fruit. He is. So the question is, why wouldn't we bear fruit? And so Jesus is not happy with fruitlessness. To pronounce a curse on a senseless tree might appear meaningless. It might even seem vindictive. Not so, however. The Savior was teaching the disciples a lesson. The tree appeared like it bared fruit. But upon close examination, there were no fruit. The tree appeared to be productive, but closer examination revealed it was unproductive. The tree created expectation, but delivered disappointment. The tree was full of promises, but never fulfilled any promises. The tree was the symbol of hypocrisy, and Jesus don't like hypocrisy. And so he cursed the tree because God is trying to get us to understand we can't act like one thing and be another thing. We can't act like we're this when we're that. 
God don't have a problem in you saying, God, I messed up. God don't have a problem with you saying, God, I got a mess in my life and I need to get it together. God don't have a problem in saying, I need to be delivered. I need to be set free. God don't have a problem with you saying, God, I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. God don't have a problem in you being downtrodden and sinful. God can help you, but will you deny that you're that way, or will you ask God to do something that you think you're okay? God don't have a problem. We treat God like he has a problem with us being a mess. We don't have to come to church and fake the funk. We don't have to come to church and act like we got it together. Remember what I told you. As long as you go before God and act like you don't need nothing, you get nothing. We're not, we're not understanding that. If we go before the Lord, if we come in His presence, and we act like we've got it together and we don't need anything, if we're too prideful to bend our knees, if we're too prideful to come to the altar, if we're too prideful to lift our hands and worship Him, if we're too prideful to cry out and scream and shout and run and dance and sing, if we're too prideful, it means we think we're okay and God can't give you anything anything. We got to come and say, God, I'm a mess. God, I got this problem that I can't get over. I got this situation that every time I thought I I took two steps forward, I take three, four steps backwards. I, I need you to help me, Lord. And when you say that, you need to do something. I read so many scriptures of, of people, the woman with the issue of blood who crawled on her knees to get through the press because she realized, uh, I've got a big problem. Uh, and for 12 years, this problem uh, has been in my life uh, and I need help. Uh, and she didn't care what anybody thought about her to crawl on her knees through the crowd uh, to touch the hem of his garment uh, so she can be healed. Uh, but this day in 2020, we are so prideful uh, and we're so just just thinking we have it all together and we don't want to act like what's really going on and God wants to help us but he can't help us because we're acting like we're okay we're acting like we're okay and God is saying okay if you're okay then okay yeah God said when, when Jesus walked the earth he said I came not for those who are well He said, I came for those who are sick. Guess what, Jesus? I'm sick. You can be well all you want. Jesus, I'm sick. I need to be healed. I need to be worked on. I need to be made whole. I need to be whole, Lord. I don't know if somebody will agree with me in here that I need to be whole, Almighty God. I'm sick. I need the physician whose name is Jesus. How about you? Do you need the physician whose name is Jesus? Ain't no shame in my game. I need the physician. I need to be made whole. I need to be well. And only he can do it. The tree displayed an attitude of hypocrisy and Jesus cursed the tree. Mm -hmm. Jesus is teaching us to not be like the fig tree. That's why it's in the scripture. 
It's a behavior that the Lord wants us to observe and understand that it's not something we need to practice. We need to be who we are supposed to be. We, we, we shouldn't be faking the funk. We shouldn't be trying to be something that we're not. If we are children of God, then we need to be children of God. God is not calling us to be pretenders, but he's calling us to be children of the most high God. We can't pretend to be children of God. We have to be children of God. And we can't wait about what anybody else says. I don't know about you, but I answer to Jesus. I don't answer to people. I answer to the Almighty God, the one which is my deliverer, the one which is my Savior, the one who's coming back for me. I answer to Him, and Him first do I answer to. And if that means it's going to rub you the wrong way, if that means you're going to be offended, then so be it. But I answer to Jesus. The Bible says, fear not him that can just kill the body, but fear him that can destroy the body and the soul. There's only one that can destroy the body and the soul. So you need to fear him and not fear anyone else. Why don't we clap our hands? We're worried about what people say. Why don't we shout and sing and run? We're worried about somebody else. I answer to Jesus and not people. Fig tree was faking the funk. Everybody that went by the fig tree looked at it and said, wow, look at the fig tree. They never got close enough to see what's going on. The fig tree was stunting, but nothing, and it was emptiness. Oh, somebody help me here today. We got to stop stunting for everybody to see us like we're one thing when we're not. We're stunting like we got it all together. We're stunting like this is going good in our life. And we're empty inside because there's no Jesus working in our life. We get on Facebook and we know everybody got, everybody life is just wonderful. Everybody life is just great. We went out to, to, to grab something to eat Friday night and we rolled up. I saw somebody that I went to school with in, in junior high and, and he was the waiter and I sat down. I said, hey man, how you doing? A blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. Everybody is stunting. Everybody like the fig tree. Not everybody, I'm sorry. But a lot of us are like the fig tree. Stunting like we got it together. Look at me! Look how I'm flowing! Nothing to show for it. Just, 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 just on the fringes. Just, just, just stuff we seeing and, and nothing, no, no, no substance. We, we just showing some things on the outside. We're, we're just showing green leaves! No substance. Where's the substance? God is looking for something inside of you because He placed things inside of you. He, 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 His Spirit is, is what He wants inside of you because that's what produces what needs to be produced. Another lesson we learned from the fig tree that the fig tree taught us huh, that there is a consequence of abused. Grace and mercy. There is a consequence for abused grace and mercy. God show us mercy and we think that means just live how you want. God show us grace and we think we got a lot of time. We abuse these 
opportunities that God has given us. We're just doing our thing and keep thinking that God understands. That's, that's what we fall back on. God understands. And so we just keep living how we want and doing what we want and ignoring God and saying he understands. But there's a price to be pray, paid for abuse mercy and abuse grace. How long do we think we can keep on doing what we've, what we've been doing and think that there will be no consequence to it? The definition for mercy is to, is to not render the judgment that one deserves. Not render the judgment that one deserves. When we go to court and we in trouble, we go and we plead and say, Judge, can you have mercy on me? You know what that means? You're saying, I know I'm supposed to be fined a thousand dollars for this ticket. For some people, it's way worse than that. But can you have mercy and just render a lesser judgment than what I deserve? And God gives us that all day, every day, and we abuse it. God is saying, you should have died a long time ago. And we said, yeah, but I'm still going, so I'm just going to keep on going. We abuse God's mercy. And God is saying, really? A fig tree, listen to this, normally grows for three years before it bears fruit. Three years. Grow up, become a tree for three years. Folks were waiting for more than three years to eat. From that fig tree. Grace. Over three years. And the fig tree was still living. And the time came where Jesus said, Fig tree, I need some fruit off you. Over three years, fig tree, I need some fruit off you. And fig tree says, Lord, well, you see my leaves. I'm about to bear fruit. Just just give me a little bit more time here, Lord. And God is saying, you had over three years. I'm about to do it, Lord. You had over whatever amount of years you had. I'm about to get it right, God. And he's saying, oh, yeah? How long have I given you to get it right? We abuse mercy and we abuse grace. What is grace? I, I want to talk about grace a little bit because grace, we got to realize what grace is. Because I think sometimes we misunderstand grace. And, and grace is the unmerited favor of God, right? God's favor that we don't deserve, right? That is grace. God's favor that we don't deserve. But there is more to God's definition in, in God's grace. So God's grace is also, is his unmerited favor and also the will and ability to do what God wants you to do. So when you think about grace, it's unmerited favor from God. He has shown you favor that you don't deserve. But also what he's doing is he has given you a, the ability to do what you ordinary cannot do. What do you mean by that, preacher? I told it Thursday night. So for you that were here Thursday night, 
um, you got to hear it again. Here, here is how it goes. When I decided 20-something years ago, when I had an encounter with Jesus, and 20-something years ago, I decided I want to get my life right. The first thing I started thinking about was I drank too much. I didn't know how I was going to stop drinking. Some things I was able to do, I said, well, I can stop doing this, I can stop doing that. But I didn't know how I was going to stop drinking. But then God's grace came upon me. And God's grace just, I can't even explain it. I don't know how it worked. I just know it's God's grace. I can't explain it. And so how God's grace work is, all of a sudden, you had this ability to do something you normally couldn't do. That's God's grace. And so, one night I'm drinking. And as I'm drinking, all of a sudden, something just came over me and said, that's it. Last sip you ever took. I didn't even finish what I was drinking. I poured out the rest. That was it. I can't take any credit for that. That was God's grace. That's what I mean by God's grace. He gives you the ability to do what you ordinarily cannot do. God's grace. And so God gave the fig tree the ability to, to produce fruit. God, God didn't judge the fig tree when the fig tree should have been judged. He gave the fig tree mercy for many a times. He showed mercy to the fig tree. For many a times he showed grace to the fig tree. But there came a day of reckoning where God says, I've shown you enough mercy. I've shown you enough grace. And now it's time for you to respond to me for all that I've given to you. I've given you my love. I've given you my care. I've given you all that you need. Now it's time for you to tell me what have you done with what I've given you. That's the fig tree. God wanted to know what will you give to me now that I've given all of that to you. Oh, help me, Jesus. So the fig tree is in the book so we can understand the thoughts of God, the mind of God, how God thinks. That's why it's in there so we can understand and we will not be with excuse anymore. God has taken away so many excuses from us. Let me tell you, <laughs> tell you a secret. Maybe I don't need to tell you the secret. Every time you come to church and God speak a word to you, you're responsible for it. <laughs> You're not going to be able to say, well, God, I didn't know. You're not going to be able to say, well, God, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you should run out of here now. <laughs> Maybe somebody need to get their stuff and say, I'm out. I don't want to hear no more of that stuff. Because if I hear it, then God's going to make sure he judged me by it. Because what God has invested in you and given to you, he expects for you to do something with it. It's a theme in the Bible. We talk about the talents. He gave one, one talent, one, two talent, one, five talent. God is always investing in us. He's always equipping us. He's always doing for us. But there's coming a day when he's going to say, what have you done with what I've given to you? Church, we got to start examining ourselves and ask ourselves, what have I done with what God has given to me. What will I do with what God has given to me? I cannot keep living just letting God do for me and I have nothing to show for what God has given to me. Listen to me. 
we may profess Christ before people. To keep up appearance. To maintain respectability and position or to advance in some way our worldly prospects. We may have a form of godliness without power. We may have a name to live up to and, and, and yet be spiritually dead. We may be content with the outward visible signs and care nothing for the inward spiritual power. Church, we gotta ask ourselves, why am I coming to church? What am I doing this for? Is there some kind of fruit that's coming from me? Am I doing something with what God has given to me? I'm talking about if you desire it, you can have it. If you desire it, you can have it. God will will do what he needs to do to get you to produce the fruit that you need to produce. If you desire it, you can have it. Tell your neighbor, if you desire it, you can have it. This was the complaint of God against the professing people in the days of Ezekiel. They came unto God, unto thee, as the people cometh, they sit before thee as my people. This is God prophesying through Ezekiel. Sit before me as my people, and they hear the words, but they will not do them. We come before God. We hear the word of God. But we will not do what the word of God said we must do. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart going after their own covetousness. We speak things, and we say things, and we pretend like the fig tree. But when it comes down to obeying God's word, we don't obey it. We just do what we want to do. We go our own way. But while we're together, we speak all good words. We get fancy with it. I'm blessed and highly favored. Jesus is the Lord of my life. The first in my life. And we say all these things, all these cliches. But we don't do what it says. And as we've read, if God is calling the fig tree to be responsible for what it's supposed to do, now what will he do for the most precious things in the earth, his people? What will he require of us, the most precious things that God has created, if he's requiring a fig tree to do something? Often... When men become unfruitful and prove false to their vows, neglecting God's ordinances and abusing his mercies, he gives them over to justice, blindness of mind, hardness of heart, sacredness of conscience, or to strong delusion. I always worry about that, Brother Kellerman. How you know God hasn't turned you over to a reprobate mind? Or how do you know that God hasn't sent you a strong delusion? That what you think is true is really a lie. 
That's scary stuff. The Bible says that. That God, God, it didn't say the devil. The Bible says that God can send us a strong delusion that we may believe a lie. And so the question today is, how do we know we're not delusional? How do we know that God has not sent us a strong delusion? And what we think is right today is only according to our own thinking. But it's not according to God because God has deluded has sent you a delusion and so now you're believing something that is not really true how do you know that you want me to tell you how you know what kind of fruit are you producing if you want to know if you're not if God hasn't sent you a delusion just ask yourself what kind of fruit am I producing and if I don't see no godly fruit in my life now I got to go in prayer now I got to go wrestle with God and say God I don't see any fruit in my life am I delusional have you sent a strong delusion to me and I'm believing a lie God I don't want to be delusional I don't want to be lost I want to be saved and if I'm delusional God will you deliver me and save me I don't want to be delusional If you desire it, you can have it. If you don't want to be delusional, you won't be delusional. But if you want to be, God will let you. Uh huh. And so I go back to the portions of scriptures that we read earlier. In Mark eleven twenty two, the Bible says, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Boy, there's some simple words. Have faith in God. Faith will reveal to us God's intent in a situation. Therefore, we can declare what may seem impossible to us that is very possible with God. Faith will let you understand that this is not impossible to God. It may look impossible to the natural man, but to God it is not impossible. We must have faith in God. Oh, let me tell you something. We, 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 we are so accustomed to, to depending on self that is Hard for us to have faith in God. Church, your biggest struggle as one that is a Christian or one that's trying to be a Christian will be the struggle between self-will and God's will. That's going to be your biggest struggle if you're seeking to live for God and to be right with God. Till Jesus come or until you die, your struggle will be self-will or God's will. That's the way it is because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Once we became exposed to sin, we battled since Adam till now, self-will or God's will. And we have to depend on God if we want to see change in our life. That's why the Word of God says, have faith in God. Because when you have faith in God, you empty yourself from all of your confidence in you. Oh, God, help me somebody. I'm not confident. 
confident in me. I'm confident in Jesus. You might think I'm cocky or I'm confident in my own way, but I'm here to tell you it ain't me, baby. It's who I know. It's who's my daddy. It's who I serve. It's who I walk with and who I pray to. It's who I worship. It's who I praise. I have confidence in Him. Have faith in God. That's how we move things along. That's how we become overcomers. Have faith in God. We got to stop having so much confidence in ourselves. God help us. The struggle that we have is the confidence. Church, hear me. I'm in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Lucifer, he had confidence in himself, and that's why he missed out on heaven. <laughs> because God created us so wonderfully. Because God made us so, so awesome. There is no other being that's created quite like us. We are the apple of his eyes. We're created in a beautiful way. We're wonderfully made. There is nothing like us. But we can't get so lifted up in our own self, in our own mind and thinking that we got it all together and we have all the confidence in ourselves. We got to realize God breathed into us. God made us. God equipped us with ability and talents and we can't be nothing without Him. We can't get so lifted up thinking that we're this and we're that when it's all because of Jesus. I don't know how we get, how we can get carried away in our ability and thinking, I got this together and thinking that I can do this and thinking I can do that. I don't know how we can get carried away with that because when death come knocking or when sickness come knocking, I know you ain't thinking you are invis- that, that, that you are unstoppable or you're invincible. When death come, when sickness come, you realize, oh God, I don't have all power. I, I am not that great that I thought I was. So many of us have been moved by the Kobe Bryant passing. And I, I keep saying one of the reasons why we're so moved by the Kobe Bryant passing, because here is how we compute things. We compute things like this. I read something the other day. He almost was a billionaire. He left $680 million to his family. And here is how we compute that. Man, he at the top of the game. I mean, he can do anything he wants. He got everything he need. Man, he can buy anything. I mean, we, we, we don't say it and we don't probably say it out loud, but in our mind we're thinking, this dude is indestructible. That's kind of what we think. We, 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 if you want to be honest with yourself, your mind went to that place of feeling like, if this happened to this guy and he got it going on way better than me, where does that leave me? That's why it's rocking us the way it's rocking us. 
Because when people that we think is, is so much more powerful than us and so much more richer than us and having so much to, together than us and all of this stuff, when we look at people as being superior to us in whatever way we feel like they're superior, if they are, if, if death come knocking and death take them, it rocks us because it makes us have to look at ourselves as understanding that we're not invincible. When you go to a funeral of a loved one and you see them laying in that casket and you no longer can talk to them, you realize that could have been me. I'm not invincible. So if I'm not invincible, who is invincible? If I'm not invincible, who is invincible? So if I'm not invincible and I know that the only way I can be kept is by the one who is invincible. Why, why, why am I struggling? Why am I, why am I, why am I struggling? What, what, what's the challenge here that we're dealing with, church? What are we dealing with? What's the challenge why we just can't just get free and get loose and just... It's all about Jesus. Hear me, somebody. Stop worrying about what everybody's thinking. Live out your life as transparent as you can. And don't worry about those hypocrites that's looking at you saying, I thought you were supposed to be in church. What are you doing in this place? I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Why are you living like that? Stop listening to that voice. That's the voice of Satan, and that's the voice of hypocritical people. None of those people really should matter. The hypocrite's voice don't matter, and the devil's voice don't matter. So you need to live your life uh, as transparent as you can to say, man, do I want to live for Christ, but these things are the things that still get me, and you can't worry about what other people are thinking about you. That was for somebody. That was for somebody. Hear me. That was for somebody. Matthew, Mark chapter 10 verse 27 says, And Jesus looking upon them saith, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Why? Aren't we understanding that with God all things are possible? With God all things are possible. We might not be able to do it. Matter of fact, we can't do it if He doesn't enable us. With God all things are possible. There's some things that God has equipped you to be able to do, and we've gone above and beyond and thinking it's something about us. I know it's something about me. I'm just special. And all it is, is ability that God has equipped you with. And here's what you don't want to hear. He gave you that ability so you can do something in his kingdom to advance it. But you're enjoying it for yourself. Uh, you're enjoying it for yourself. You're loving it. Because people look at you as special. Abilities that God give us, we, 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 we model them and, and people think we're great. When it was really ability that God gave us for his profitability for the for the for the the profit of the kingdom and so now we we doing our thing and people just look at it as as as, as wonderful and great and all this stuff and 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 we're saying man i'm good are you really faith lets us know that it is not you who performed the impossible it is jesus who does the impossible can i tell you something about some preachers so we have two kinds of preachers probably sometimes when it comes down to praying for miracles from God. There are some preachers 
who think that they're so anointed and so great that when they pray, something's going to happen for you. You're going to be healed. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Here's the problem with that. Most of them that feel like that be thinking that is something that they were doing when they prayed while you got healed, while you got delivered. And that's probably a delusion. And so they pray according to what they think. Then you have the other kind of preachers that understands that I don't do the miracles. So whosoever will, come on, I'm going to pray for you. Because I'm going to pray to the one that does the miracles. And if he want to do the miracle, that's on him. If he doesn't want to do the miracle, that's on him. And if you walk away without a miracle, I'm not upset. I'm not worked up. I'm not mad because it's not me. Here's a secret. And I'm going to finish up in a second here. Brother Sam, let me talk to you. No, no, we don't want them in here, but me and you talking, right? You know what I've seen over the years? I've seen people come to church, Brother Sam, and they get excited, and they praise and worship the Lord. They get filled with the Holy Ghost, and six months later, they're not in church. Then, Brother Sam, I've seen those that come in and take their time, slow walk it, and probably should respond a little bit more, but, you know, they still slow walking because they really trust God, but they got to get loosened up and God got to work on them because, you know, they've just been setting their ways for a long time, Brother Sam. So they, they just kind of do that. And they don't get the Holy Ghost right away. But then God filled them with the Holy Ghost one day. And people like them become pillars in the church. What are you saying, preacher? What am I trying to say to you? What I'm trying to say to you is the miracle that God does, don't read into it. The miracle that God don't do, don't read into it! We're getting caught up if he do or don't do the miracle. Well, they must not be right. It don't have nothing to do with it. Because the ones that, that, that slow walk, that thing, they stayed around for a long time. And the one that was always excited, oh, God is great. God is wonderful. I got the Holy Ghost. Six months later, can't find them. I seen it where they used to come to church every day, every service. They don't miss one. Back in them days, we had four services. And as soon as the music starts, they in the front dancing. Oh, you can't sit them down. I mean, one leg and everything. I mean, they just you can't sit them down. Six months later. So don't read into what God do or don't do as you're right or you're wrong or, man, God is disappointed in you. Please don't read into it like that. You don't know what God is doing. So, so if you see God for something and it don't happen, don't let that stop you from keep on seeking Him. Don't let that stop you from, from, from believing and trusting in God because God knows what you need and what you don't need. He spoke to the fig tree and it dried up. He spoke to the fig tree. And it dried up. If we will speak the same things that Jesus speaks, the same results that Jesus got, we will get. All right. 
few people, a few people. Anything or any situation that is a hindrance to you, why don't you just speak to it? The challenge we have, church, our situations, And what God will deem a situation is probably different. That's usually probably the the issue in what God is doing or not doing. Because what we normally go to God for is usually not God what God is wanting to do. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so we approach God with our stuff. And because God have that, what we call agape love, He operate in the agape love, and we operate in the human love, which is we always feel the need to do what you're asking. And God is saying, I do what's best for you. (laughs) That's the conundrum right there. Our way of being. If we love you, and you want this, and you want that, the love that we have says, well, let me, let me, let me. But God's ways are not like our ways. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. So he's, he exercised that agape love meaning whatever he does for you is what's the very best. Not second, not third. Forget about that. People like to say his permissive will. No, no, no. He only got one will. And the one will is what he wants to do in your life. Not you talking about, well, God, if you just do this this one time. Well, if that one time is going to destroy you, why would he do it? If that one time is going to cause you to lose your soul, why would God negotiate with you? The negotiation that he had with Abraham, that was just... To appease Abraham because he always knew what, what it was. And he knew Abraham was so off. Because Abraham was talking about if there be 10 righteous, 30 righteous. The Lord knew how many righteous were there. So the Lord said, let me just let him talk. Because he's not going to change what I'm going to do. Because I already know what I'm going to do. And he will never, because his mind don't work like mine, he won't know what I'm going to do. So I'll just let him talk. We don't change God's mind and God's will. Mm-hmm. Bible scholars have a hard time with that. But I'm, I'm okay with that. Because if God is who he said he is, and he's all-powerful and all-knowing, why would his mind be changed? Why would he change his mind? That, we change our mind because we don't know what, what, what we're doing. We change our minds because we're not sure. We change our minds because we say, we weigh the situation and says, well, I think. That's why we change our minds. So now put that in God's category and say, why would he change his mind? 
While you weighing it, trying to figure it out, he said, go ahead and weigh it all you want. But this is what it is. Any situation that's a hindrance to your walk in Christ, you need to speak to it. We seldom experience the impossible because we are filled with doubt. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt when it comes down to the things of God? You want me to tell you why? We doubt because we have so much confidence in self and so little in God. Jay, if God is the one that does the miracles and he has proven that he does the miracles and it's not me, why am I going to doubt when it's time for a miracle? I mean, I read all the time. He does it all the time. I'm not the one doing it. So, so for so long, we practice this in church almost like, if I can just get holy, if I can just get righteous, then God will use me. Whatever God wants to do, God's going to do. And he can do it through a donkey. <laughs> he can do it through a donkey. So we don't have to worry about doubt. We should never doubt God. Or we should never doubt for the impossible because the impossible is done by God who can make all things possible. We need to throw doubt out the window. John, we got to forget about doubt because we're not the ones that do it. And we got to walk into everything in total confidence and boldness and believing God. And whether he does it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm going now with Jesus. What do you mean by that, preacher? I'm going to go down and keep on believing there's heaven, there's hell. I'm going to go down believing that when I pray, it, 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 he hears me. I'm going to go down believing the things of God. What God do or don't do, don't make me change believing that he is God all by himself. Whether I want to believe or not with the things that he do or don't do, that's up to me. But he's going to be God no matter what. What is doubt? Doubt opposes Doubt is hesitancy. Doubt is wavering. Doubt is make the difference. Uh, you know what? Some of the, what's the, something that I see a lot of. I don't know if you pay attention to this. A lot of people don't seem to have clear and direct direction in their life. In our getting around, whatever we're doing, we just, we just seem to be not sure. Everything these days just seem to be in question. So we waver all the time because everything is in question. What is that? You know what that is? Our relationship with Christ is in doubt. When your relationship in Christ is, with Christ is in doubt, your life is a life that's in doubt. And you live that way. I'm going to say something that's going to get some of you guys mad, but it's okay. So, Brother Chuby, let me say it to you. So, so Brother Chuby, Nobody better not call me or ask me on a Sunday if I'm going to church. Don't, don't even ask me that. 
don't even ask me you're going to church. You see what I mean by we don't have clear direction in our life? Because why are we wavering on that? And then we start to say stuff like, well, you know, you don't have to go to church every day to be sick. Oh, because we want to wait. We're in doubt, John. We're in doubt. Because when you get a hold of Jesus, nothing stops you. I feel like a, a, a runaway train. I feel like a bullet train. When I get a hold of Jesus, I'm like, if you don't get out of my way, I'm running you over. Because this is the best thing that ever happened to me. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. Now, see, I saw Quayshawn Ebony's son the other day in... Um, in, in Starbucks. And all these kids that grow up, I lose track of them because they look so grown. And so now all of them, when they see me, Jay, they got to say, hey, Brother Wayne, it's me. <laughs> I laugh all the time. Because I see all these kids grow up and they got to tell me, you know, it's me. I'm like, look, oh, yeah. And so I saw Quayshawn. Hey, Brother Wayne, it's me. Quayshawn, Ebony's son. I said, yeah, now I can see you. Yeah. And so we getting our drinks at Starbucks and Quayshawn said to me you still in church? I said, I said Quay why wouldn't I be in church? Quay said well a lot of people started out that's not in church anymore see these are the kids that we brought to church with us when we were going to church and so I had to give a little quick Bible study in there. I said, Quay, unfortunately, a lot of people started going to church and never established the proper foundation. They went to church off of the strength of, let me start going to church now because I want to stop doing this and I want to stop doing that and I'm, I, I want to live right and I want to do this. And so they start going to church for that reason. Quay, nothing wrong with that. But Quay... At some point in time, they needed to know who Jesus is and fall in love with Jesus, Quay. That part never took place. And so because they never fell in love with Jesus and they just went to church for whatever particular reason, they didn't stay long. Oh. I said, Quay, when you love somebody and they love you, why do you stop being in a relationship with them? He said, ah, I never thought about it. I said, Jesus loves us. And so all we got to do is love him back. That will never change. If you keep loving him, he's not going to stop loving you. So if that never changed, why are we going to change? If God loving us never changed, why do we change from going to church and living for God? It meant we never established a bona fide loving relationship with Christ. And so what you are doing, you are doing it for a benefit or for a profit. Oh, come on, church, don't get quiet on me now. We can't make church a benefit to us. I'm going because I'm looking forward for this benefit. I'm going because I need this. I'm going because I need that. No, come to church to get to know who Jesus is, the miracle-working God, the God that do the impossible. That's who we come to church to know and get a relationship with and fall in love with. I'm living for God because I love love him. I'm living for God because he's my God. I'm living for God because I want to be in relationship with him. 
And if you don't do that, you won't stay in church. That's how we stay in church. We stay in church because we fall in love with Jesus. We stay in church because we have a bona fide relationship and he will never walk out on you. So why would you ever walk out on him? That's why we go to church, to get to know him, uh, to get to have real relationship with him. Any other way, sooner or later, you make a beeline. He said a lot of people started out, but they're not there no more. Actions will always confirm belief. Actions will always confirm belief. Actions will always confirm belief. What are you trying to say, preacher? No action, you don't believe. You could know something is right. Don't mean that you believe it. You can know something is true, don't mean you believe it. Because we want to believe what we want to believe. And so sometimes, no matter how clear the truth is, no matter how much you know something is right, you don't want to believe it because it goes against what you want. So you don't believe it. Don't, believe, don't mean it's wrong. Don't mean it's not true. It means it goes against how I feel and I'm not going to believe it. And so no actions follow. But when you get a relationship with the Lord, uh, it's like the Lord putting in your heart, you need to fast. I don't want to fast, Jesus. But because I have a relationship with him, I know whatever he tells me to do, it's always good. So I'm not standing here before you today, church, and tell you everything the Lord tell me to do, I want to do. But because I'm in a relationship with him, and he's proven himself to be right, and I know I can trust him, and I know everything that he says come to pass, I just got to do it. Don't doubt. Just speak God's words. It's not your words. It's God's words. If you speak it, you will have it. God's words are true. They will do what God said they will do. So here is what is coming down to church. We've been speaking our words and wanting God to do something about it. I don't know how to say this kindly, but when it comes down to God, your words don't mean a whole lot. And so we've been speaking our words to God and want God to do what we say. Now tell me how much sense that make if he's all knowing and we're going to tell him what we want. Now you can tell him what you want, but if he don't do it, you know what you need to do? Smile and say, oh, that must not, that must not be um, according to his plans. Smile, let's smile. That, I must have just asked something crazy a while ago because he's not doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so in Mark, we're closing this thing down. 11.24, it says, Therefore I say unto you, 
what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Mm -hmm. The big thing that jumps out to me there, that word desire. Desire. Desire, the definition for desire, is to long for, to crave, to have an appetite for, a deep yearning for, a stretching out after. Desire. Here's the problem. Desire can be good or bad. Desire could be good or bad. And so we can be praying for a bad desire that we have. And so here's the scripture challenging us. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire. So we're praying. God, I want me a rich husband. And God is saying, I would think you would pray for a godly. You see the difference? It don't have to be anything just outrageous. It just could be something simple as you praying for a rich husband. And God is saying, I'm waiting for you to pray for a godly husband. <laughs> see what I mean by desires? Uh-huh. God, I want me a five-bedroom, three-and-a-half bath, laid-out basement, big backyard. I, 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 that's what I want. And God is saying, and if I give you that, Jeanette, landscaping, you want hardwood floors, so you got to make sure that gets taken care of. You just got so many responsibilities with that big old house that you ain't going to be able to go to church. You ain't going to be able to get into ministry. You ain't going to be able to do nothing because all that house is going to consume you. And so when you work hard to take care of that house, the, the, the time off that you have, you still got to take care of that house. And so God is saying, why would I give you that? And so we pray these things, and God don't answer them, and, and then we, we, we get frustrated with God. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. And so we need to check our desires right now. We're getting ready to close. We need to check our desires. What kind of desires do we have that we've been praying about? God can't do evil for your desires to be met. If you look, if, if for you to obtain your desires is going to require evil, God can't do that. God don't have nothing to do with evil. What kind of desires do you have? If it's ungodly, we need to pray. We need to cry out to God and say, God, take away these ungodly desires and replace them with godly desires. God.
God will meet you at the level of your desires if they're godly. Twenty-something years ago, when I was pointing in the direction of Jesus Christ, and I was drinking my nice little drink that night, and the Lord just moved on me, and all I did was get up and say, that's it. It's a desire that was in me that I wanted to get away from. Lord, I want to stop drinking. So here is what I'm telling you, if you want to understand desires. Here's a good way of looking at how God responds to prayers and how God responds to things. There is nothing more important in the earth. I said nothing. I didn't say no person. Because people are the most important thing. But after people, there is nothing more important in the earth than God's plan. There is nothing more important in this earth than God's plan. Because God's plan is what he used to save the people he loves. So there is nothing more important than God's plan. So here is what happens. Trust me, church. I've read it. I've studied it. And I've watched it in my own life and other people's life. The quickest way to get a response from God is to understand his plan. And that's what you pray for, is for God's plan to be done in your life. The problem is we have our own set of personal plans. And so it's hard for us to belt out the, 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 the just, just, just pray, just prayers that will be for God's plan to take place in your life. We have a problem doing that. We're praying for our plan. And when I say or any preacher say you need to pray for the plan of God, it's hard for you because for so many years you've built up in your heart and your mind your plan. And so now it's, 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 it's hard for you to pray because the Bible says you must believe what you're praying. You must not doubt so unanswered prayers are coming in now because we're praying for our plan. And even when we do pray the plan of God, because God say, pray his will be done. When we try to pray that, we doubt. We doubt. And so now we're praying for God's will with doubt. That will never happen. So now you're frustrated. Preacher, I've been praying God's will and nothing. Well, here's God's answer. You prayed it. With doubt. You prayed it with wavering. You prayed it with staggering. You prayed it not being convinced. And that's why God's will have not been done in your life. Because even when you know what to pray, you prayed it not with confidence, not with boldness. And so, your desires when you pray God's will, what is it going to be? Stand with me. If you desire it, you can have it. And so we're going to close today in going before the Lord, expressing our desires to him. But the desires that we express must be according to God's plan, God's purpose, God's will for our life. We can't just pray whatever we want and expect for God to respond to it. Remember, 
If God is God, we can't order him around. And he is God. We can't order him around. We have to pray according to his plan. His plan to redeem mankind. His plan to save mankind. That's how we pray. So when you pray, and there's something going on in your life, that's a big obstacle in your life. And it's an obstacle in your life that's preventing you from living for God. If you get sincere about that, And say, God, I need to overcome this because it's what's stopping me from living for you. Your prayers will get answered today. If you're ready to let God work in your life, you pray that prayer of whatever it is. You can speak to your mountain. Because that's what what Jesus taught them in that scripture. He set them up, Jermaine. He showed them. He is the greatest teacher that ever walked the earth. So he, was, he knew that he was going to tell them they can speak to their mountains. But he didn't put that first. He showed them that whole thing. Him speaking to the fig tree. Fig tree now um, dried up from the roots. And he made them watch him speak and watch how it happened. And they were marveled. Oh, man, God, you're so great. And that's when he ended up that passage by saying, Speak to your mountains. Because what he's saying is, I showed you how it worked. Speak to your mountains. Mountains are things that are in your way that's preventing God's will to be done in your life. Speak to your mountains today. Because they're there to stop God's will from being done in your life. And so if you really desire to do God's will, if you really desire to be who God called you to be, Speak to that mountain today to be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and it will be and you will be able to move through and do what God wants you to do. In 1 John 5 verse 14 in case you don't believe me he backed it up some more. He says and this is the confidence that we have in him, in Jesus. That if we ask anything according to... He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition, whatever you ask him, that's what the petition is. You petition him, whatever you ask him, we know we have the petition that we desire, that we desire of him. So whatever you desire from God according to his will, if you pray it today, you will have it. Whatever you desire from God today, if it's according to his will, if you pray it, you will have it. God didn't cause me to preach this message to you today for you to walk out of here empty-handed. For you to walk out of here without having what you desire. And so I need for you, if you desire it, to go before the Lord today and petition Him for what you desire of Him so He can give it to you. 
And so there will be something that will take place in your life today. And you will see that as you move throughout this day and tomorrow, whatever is in your way, it won't be there anymore. You're going to say, why is this so easy now? Why is this not a struggle anymore? Because you asked him and he did it. If you would like to come to the altar, if you just want to stay in your seat and pray, but why don't we take the next five minutes and seek God to have that mountain removed in your life. Remember, when you speak your words, you're only speaking agreeing with what God wants for your life, and that's why he does it. You're not coming up with something new. God's plan for your life is true and sure and real. And God wants to fulfill his plan in your life. But whatever that obstacle is, whatever that mountain is, whatever that thing is, that's getting in your way. Every time you try to do right, every time you try to go in the right direction, every time you try to pray, every time you try to get right with God, you just seem to struggle. Well, that's your mountain. And I want you to speak to that mountain today. Father, in the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord God, we all have mountains today. But Lord God, you showed us that you spoke to the fig tree. And Lord, the fig tree had to respond to you. Uh, and oh my God, today we speak to our mountains. Those mountains that have come in our way. That is trying to prevent us from being who we are. That's trying to prevent us from doing the will of God. Somebody hear me today. God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. God has called you to the kingdom to do His will. And He doesn't want anything to stop you. But you got to touch and agree with Him uh, that you will not allow anything to stop you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person, Lord God, that will believe today. Will you believe in your heart and not doubt that what you petition God for, it will be so. That mountain that you will speak to, it will be removed and cast in the sea. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I pray today, in the name of Jesus Christ, that every person today that believe and will not doubt and will pray the prayers of faith, Lord God, for the mountain to be removed and to be cast in the sea. Let it be so. Somebody, Jesus, is here this afternoon. He's right here right now. Why don't you tell him what you want? Why don't you tell him what you need? And he will perform it. He will do it because it's his will that you be who he called you to be. And you will do what he called you to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I touch and agree with my brother. I touch and agree with my sister. That that mountain uh, that is before them. Uh, that every time they try to get to the other side. Uh, every time they try to do your will. Uh, here come that mountain uh, right before them. Uh, they're not able to do your will uh, because of this mountain. Uh, but I pray that they, uh, in the 
name of Jesus, I speak to that mountain and command that mountain in the name of Jesus to be removed and to be cast in the sea in the name of Jesus that our path will be made clear and we can march forward to do the will of God in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray today, Lord, that the people of God in this room will walk out of here without that struggle of serving you, without that struggle of obeying the word of God, without that struggle of doing the will of God. I command the obstacles, I command the mountains, I command the stones to be removed, that the power of God may move in their life, and the will of God be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so, Lord. We pray today that we will never be the same and that we will not walk out of here the same way. But let there be change that will take place deep down in our soul, deep down in our heart. Come on, somebody, cry out to God. Call in the name of Jesus. Jesus, uh, command your mountain to be there with